in all my endeavors, you know, I probably have like two strengths, one or two big strengths. And that's like, and then everything else is like secondary, tertiary. Just be focused on developing those because that's where you'll have, I think, the most success. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. Today we have with us my friend Peter Pomeroy. So Peter, thank you so much again for joining us here. And um, I'd like to start the conversation off by you know, asking you to share with us a bit about yourself and uh, you know, maybe something fun that most people wouldn't know about you. Yeah, sure. Um... So I was uh, so about myself. So I have about you know, a little over 20 years of experience in real estate in a number of different, um, you know, areas, brokerage, construction, investment, development, um, you know, asset management. Um, and I've worked, you know, from, you know, kind of large companies to very small entrepreneurial companies and, um, you know, have, have uh, really enjoyed all of those experiences. Um, something about myself that's a little different is so in college, I was a fine arts major. Um, and so I, my specialty was sculpture. Just, we were talking a little bit about that and I did large kind of outdoor, uh, sculpture with, um, you know, that were primarily with steel. And so, um, you know, the creative element has always been important to me. So there you go. Yeah, I love that. And I think the creative element, we have sort of like a million ways to express that. Right. And, uh, so, but clearly you found a way that really, my assumption is creates a lot of fulfillment for you. And um, so let me just ask you this, when sure. it comes to working on, you know, sculpture, which blows my mind, like steel, you know, that's gotta be, that's not easy. Right. And so, but we're really in this state of flow. Can you sort of share with us, you know, some sort of emotions that come along with that and maybe how you find yourself getting into a state of flow. Like, do you have a routine or a sort of a, you know, ritual kind of thing that, that helps you there? You know, I think the, um, I think for me, it's just, um, like I'll think a lot about like what I want to do. And I, I remember like in, going back in time when I did this a lot. Um, and then what, what to get into the flow is, or like momentum for me is to just start to take action. And, um, so I'll start to build something and I'll have an idea. And as we were talking before, it'll, it might go in a completely different direction than I thought. Um, but then it's, but then the emotion is, is I think working through it to, to, to like get to, um, um, completion. And, um, so that's not too dis and, and so I, you know, went from doing, you know, sculpture to, to real estate. And in many ways, there's like some similarities in that, you know, if you're working on a, you know, if you're evaluating a property, however, you know, the financial aspect, what you're going to, the construction element, you're kind of working through, you know, what you, what that analysis to like completion and that completion, um, you know, in, in the business context has to do with, um, you know, satisfying a return on investment. That's kind of like how that's measured and, and the risk taken to do that. Um, so it, you know, you have to like, you know, keep, keep the context of what you're evaluating 
in mind. Whereas like a sculpture, you know, there's a kind of a vision or whatever that you're trying to get to. And, and there is a point when you're like done is done or done for a while and you need to move away from it. Um, you know, similar, similarly, like if you were to take an apartment building or whatever, and you wouldn't want to over improve it to a point where the investments that you're making and putting into it, um, you know, are no longer you know, going to provide a yield for the investors and, and truthfully, you know, benefit to the tenants. Yeah. You know, Peter, I love that you're actually like comparing, you know, steel sculpture to, you know, um, value add apartment, you know, complex mm -hmm. that, that, that a team would take on. Um, so in, let me ask you this, because my assumption is that with a, with a steel sculpture, you're looking at a three to six month, maybe year completion time. What are you typically shooting for? Or do you kind of let the, the sculpture, you know, dictate that? Or do you like to be more in control of when it's going to be complete? Well, you, I mean, there, it, it, it can be a lot faster than that. It can be a day, it can be a week. And I think that actually, um, um, you know, putting like time limits on it is important and also like resource limitations. So like I might go now in, into my garage to do something and, and say, okay, my challenge is that I have to, I'm only going to use the materials that are here and, it, and I have to have something done by 5 PM, you know, and then, and just challenge myself there. And it's almost like an iteration um, and doing multiple iterations. And then I guess at some point, if, if one, you know, if I was, you know, a successful doing successful sculpture, I might have a different, you know, different resources to work with and time and all that. But I mean, I don't think you, um, at least for me, I don't want to, um, you know, let too much time go by before completing, you know, any kind of project, whether it's a sculpture or real estate or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm similar. And uh, thanks for clearing that up. Um, you know, for me to, I would compare my songwriting to your sculpture, right? And right. So, I really usually at the most only have five hours uh, to do a song. And so I have to get it done. Um, the old me where I really had to work through, I would just have pieces of art or pieces of music. And um, that doesn't, will just lead you to never completing anything, right? So really right. being intentional about completing. And you absolutely need that when you're, you know, you know um, you know, doing value add to an apartment complex, for example, um, real estate. And so, you know, so I, I love that. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great about the five hours. The first song, I remember we had talked about that a while ago and, um, yeah, it would be easy. I would imagine to have like, you know, dozens of like half completed songs and to force yourself to complete it, you know, and maybe it's just version one of the song and, you know, but at least it's a, a complete version one. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And it's the iterations too, right? I believe right. there's a thing, uh, a saying that I learned from Brian Tracy like a long time ago. He really helped me break through this period where I was stuck with artist block, right? And I right. wasn't completing stuff, music or art. And um, even, you know, with my skateboarding, this is like I was 19 years old. Uh, his phrase was within quantity, you will find quality. I think right. you and I talked about that just a couple of weeks ago too. Right. And so it's just like giving ourselves permission to not have a beautiful, you know, crazy, awesome, perfect, you know, product when we're done. And through a, a lot of those, again, iterations, we can, we can improve that quality. Yeah. Well. I, th I think that is, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that, you know, through like quantity, you'll, you'll find some quality in there. Um, 
I think that I'm really glad you brought that up because it's a, it's such a good reminder in, in so many things, whether it's like, you, you know, the songs you're doing, or if I'm doing like artwork, um, or, you know, evaluating deals, how many times have you heard, Oh, I had to look at a hundred deals to find one that was good or 200 deals to, you know, and that's like, you know, quantity. And then there's a quality piece there. Um, and it's so easy to say, Oh, I want to like do it, like start off on anything, you know, doing artwork, songs, real estate. And, you know, the first deal that comes over your, into your desk, you're like, Oh, this is going to be it. And then, and then you spend, you know, 20 hours underwriting it for whatever reasons, when you should have like been like, you know, I got five hours or two hours or 30 minutes or 15 minutes. So that's a really good lesson. It's a good point. Yeah. No, this is, we're getting a lot of good uh, lessons out of just this conversation. Yeah. It's so helping far. me. Yeah. Me too, for sure. Thank you, Peter. And let me ask you this uh, question here. You know, um, how do you f define success for yourself? And would you say that you've attained it or, you know, maybe kind of a balance? But uh, what are your thoughts there? I don't know. I knew, I knew, I knew this question was coming and I was thinking about it beforehand. And, um, you know, I want to like say something that's like real pithy and, and, but I, I think, I mean, I, so for myself, I think, um, here's how I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like when I was younger in my say thirties, um, and I was working, um, you know, for, I was at a large commercial brokerage. And so success then was, um, you know, working a lot of hours and being in the top 10 and, and, and my, you know, getting big deals. These were brokerage deals. They were, uh, I was representing tenants and they're acquiring leased office space. That was what I was doing and, uh, you know, super competitive. And that was what success was. Um, and then, you know, then I was like, Oh, I want to be a real estate investor, developer, you know, investor, let's say. And so success for me was like, like achieving milestones going down that path to, you know, do that. In a you know in a real single minded focus, and I wouldn't say I wouldn't at all and and I'm I'm I wouldn't at all change anything, and I wouldn't say even I wouldn't even say oh and then I got there and and the what has that 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 metaphor the ladder was up on the wall but it was the wrong wall or whatever like that's not the case at all, you know I was super stoked to, um, you know do what I've done but now you know a, a bit older and. And, you know, maybe like, maybe people will hear this and be like, duh, like what took you so long? But, you know, now I'm like, oh, my health is important. Spending time, you know, I'm, I'm remarried. I've got two young kids and spending time with them and all these things that you hear kind of in your thirties and forties. And I heard them as well. And I was like, whatever, basically, I mean, truthfully, that's kind of what was probably, I was probably thinking that, you know, maybe not consciously, but. Um, but now I'm like, oh no, I take that seriously. So success has changed over time. And, you know, now it's, you know, it, it's a more, um, you know, multifaceted, you know, picture like this artwork that we were talking about, you know, I, I just spent the last, you know, it feels like you know, several months, like building out a studio in my garage. And that took a lot of time and, and resources to do that. And then as we were talking this last week or so, I've been, getting materials and, um, you know, and I'm resource, you know, constrained. I'm not going to spend a gazillion dollars to get a bunch of stuff. I don't even know what I'm doing with. And so, you know, success for me is being able to have time, 
to do that, you know, that stuff and convince my wife it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's key at the end right there, right? Right, convince right. Your wife no, she's, be okay. she's a big supporter. One of the takeaways, maybe the best takeaway from what you just shared with me is that, you know, success for you is malleable, malleable. I'm not sure how you say that. Yeah. But you can, you're really in control of it in sort of like your sculpture. You can make it look how you want it to look. And right now it looks like this, right? And yeah. uh, I'm with you. It's so interesting as we're, you know, younger, we're so like wound up to compete and we're experiencing all this stuff. And um, <clears throat> it's very easy to put your, you know, family and your health lower down on the priority list. And it's also such a big mistake. Um, so many of us do this and, you know, um, I, I guess we could all, you know, learn from ourselves and from other people like uncle Scrooge, for example. Right. And, uh, but, um, but, but yeah, I think that's, that's great. A great way to, to, um, define success, uh, right now. And also remember like, for me, and I, you know, I think all of us, it's important to remember that we can change it. It doesn't, yeah. it's not set in stone, you know? And it's very, and it's also like really difficult. And I like, you know, struggle with this every day to not think of success as financial success. You know, I mean, I mean, I believe that, that like there's six, like I was saying that their success is a much bigger, there's a, it's a bigger picture than just financial success, you know, but, but then you know, then I forget that instant, you know, pretty quickly. And, um, that's what I'm, I'm thinking about. So, um, you know, and the other thing is I've been thinking about is I like, I've made, um, like I've had a pretty entrepreneurial like business career. And so like there, there've been like some like financial successes or accomplishment successes. And then ones that like, you know, financial like losers, <laughs> you know, and you know, that's the bet you make. That's the bet I've made. And it's the bet I wanted to make. Um, you know, my one of my first jobs was working as a management consultant for, um, a, you know, a big company, Deloitte. And I could have stayed on that track and been a partner and, and all that, that stuff. Um, and that would have been very different than saying, no, I want to like, you know, I left Deloitte and I went to go work for Collier's zero salary, hundred percent commission, no benefits, no insurance. And that was the bet I made. And I was, you know, that's the bet. That's what I chose to do. And so, you know, that's been important to me. So success has been like, there's been a, an element of like, if I were to define success, now that we're talking about success, you know, it would be, you know, for me, what has been important is, um, you know, having that freedom of choice to do that stuff. But it's, you know, it hasn't always been like financially successful. Sometimes it has. I mean, and more times it has than not. But still, um, you know, there's trade-offs. Trade-offs and you bet on yourself. And I think yeah. that's, that yeah. is, <clears throat> so many people do not do that. And it, I, I really truly believe that we're born here to do that more often than not and take risks. And I'm very similar to you where I've tried a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors and bet on myself and you know, a lot of them didn't work out and some of them are growing legs and moving forward. And, um, but, but yeah, I think that's, um, you know, that that's great. Speaking of successes, let me ask you this. Um, would you mind sharing with us one of your more like favorite successes, uh, you know, that you were involved with or, you know, created solely? Yeah. I mean, so there's, I'll, I'll share. Um, so one is I, 
there was when I kind of started to get excited on apartments, this was in 2014. And I'd been fo focused primarily on office and warehouse and, and some land stuff and single family homes. Um, and I got, uh, there were these two people who, um, um, they outsourced the redevelopment of a you know smaller apartment project. There's 23 units, and um, it was um, you know everyone got, got evicted, taken to the studs, and I was the you know construction manager, project manager, development manager on that, and um, that project really worked out well, um, and it was a great deal of fun to um, you know get into that detail. And be working with the contractors, and um, and it was a real contribution to the neighborhood too. It was a it was a really kind of blighty building, and um, when we were done, it was you know a real nice addition to the neighborhood, and um, um, you know got occupied really quickly, and it, and it generally worked out um, you know from that perspective. So that was a, that was a lot of fun, and um, it was a great deal of fun. Yeah, that was that's a, sounds like a huge success, and this was your first, uh, you know, um, leap leap of faith into commercial real estate. As far well, as no, being not an commercial real estate, but like developer for, for for apartments. It was my first apartment project. Okay, yeah. so I'd done other types of projects before, and that was just it was a nice size because it was in you know you know an hour from where I lived, um, and so I could really get my hands on it and like you know every single unit I knew every little piece of you know all the detail I knew um and so you know sometimes if you're you know working on 100 units or you're you're just a capital provider on a you know with a gp team or you're just the asset manager you don't have the full um kind of understanding of the property and you know the money going in and then hopefully when it's rented up the money coming out and so with this project i was able to do that and it helped me really understand apartments and um how resilient they they are um and so i was like oh wow this is a lot better than office or at least for me and you know so i, I started to slowly transition yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, um, you know, very exciting and very, you know, admirable. So, you know, kudos to you on that. And, uh, I know you more deals than that, right. That you've been involved with that have been successes. And let me ask you this, um, what would you say is, you know, one of the most valuable things that you learned from that one, um, success in particular? Yeah. Yeah. So, so my role on that was the development manager. So I did the construction basically, and and was to you know do all of the construction and get it completed at which point i i my job was done and then the people who had hired me they got it leased up and they did the asset management and um you know for reasons i don't still don't totally understand they had a hard time managing the, that property um and but what I learned is, you know, from again, I'm a, from a product perspective that, despite what I viewed as their poor management, the property did well and it continued to like have rent growth and it continued to have full occupancy and it continued to like be successful despite its despite the the, the you know the owners really, and um, you know that's where I was like, wow, this is really a compelling product type because there's 23 spaces in this particular apartment building. Whereas like an office property that I like an office property I'd done prior, there was, you know, I remember one, there was three stories 
each floor was 33,000 feet. So it was about 100,000 square feet. And so if one of those tenants, like, which happened, you know, didn't move in or whatever, like that's like, you know, really damaging to that investment. Whereas in an apartment complex, you know, one unit goes down or two units goes down. If you've got, you know, enough, you know, on a percentage basis, it's, it's, um, you know, you're safe. So, you know, that was, that was the big learning from that. And also it was yeah. a well-located property in a very strong market. So that's the other thing I learned is it was in, um, you know, it was in the wine country in Northern California. So it was in a very strong market. And, and I think, you know, right now, like if, if you're somebody who owns a, an apartment building, you want to, you know, generally, unless you, you know, you, you have specific market knowledge, like you want to be in a strong market right now versus a weak market. Cause when, when the, you know, economy or whatever goes down, those weaker markets get hit the most um, because people want to, whatever they get hit the most. So you want, you want to be in a, you know, for being in a stronger market was really helpful. Yeah. You know, um, location, 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 right. right? It's no joke. And, and, uh, so I have a question for you about property managers in your experience. Um, what percentage of them are excellent or, or do not even excellent. What, what percentage of them, um, do a good job? And, uh, secondly, what, any advice on like vetting property managers? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to say like what percent of them do a good job or not. And I think you know, the answering of your question has a lot to do with one's personality type. And, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say my personality type or management style is like the best at all, but it's just like who I am. And so like, um, you know, for me, just because you have a property manager and just because people say, oh, real estate's a hands-off investment, I don't necessarily think that's true at all. It's, it's, so I, I'm very engaged with the property manager. And then through that engagement, there's a building of trust that occurs. And as that, as that trust is, is built, then, you know, you, you know, like for me, I can like ease up on, you know, interacting with them. Now, also part of that also means that, you know, if I'm interacting with them, I need to understand their style and not be a micromanager and, and listen and all that stuff. It's, it's a real, um, you know, it's, it's, even though they work for you and you can fire them, like it's a real partnership. Yeah, that, those are my that, that's those are my thoughts on on property management is is to stay super involved, ask lots of questions. Not don't be fearful to ask questions. I ask a lot of questions. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you know, I'm also also you know, it feels like I'm hearing in there the the first few months you're really involved it's almost like the first few months you're essentially training them right and you're learning you know from them and um then you can lighten up as you see they're you know doing the stuff that they built the trust right so yeah yeah i mean and there's you just i mean we, there's so many like you know uh like kind of like quotes out there about you know keeping your eye on the ball and and being involved and and when you stop when that stops happening you know, generally like bad things can start to occur, not always, but like generally. And so like that involvement engagement is really important. Now, at some point you might build it so much trust that like, you don't, you know, you don't need to like be as intensely involved, but, um, you know, you're still going to be involved. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and let me ask you this, um, you know, because we talked a little bit about things going downhill. So this next question, uh, you know, it's perfect segue into it, which is, would you mind sharing with the audience, you know, one uh, of your more incredibly difficult experiences and how you got through that slash what you learned from it? So in 2008, 2009, I was working with a uh, investor a person, really very successful person, um, lots of, lots of experience in the office, in the office, um, you know, sector. And we bought a, um, you know, it was that, that building I was referring to a moment ago, we bought a large, you know, hundred thousand square foot building in Cupertino, California, which is where Apple is. And, um, we had, uh, institutional equity and, um, um, you know, I, you know, I was, you know, I was the acquisition person and, um, you know, we had tenants, you know, kind of excited to move in and it was going to be a, you know, successful investment, not a home run, but like, you know, the double at least. And, um, all of a sudden Lehman brothers went, um, bankrupt, um, the kind of financial crisis happened all, you know, tenants did not want to move. They just went into a holding pattern. And the um, equity institution, institutional equity group, um, they said we're out, and the the building went back to um, the lender, Prudential, who ended up holding on to it and doing quite well with it. And so, what I learned there is the downside of you know downside risk, you know downside that things you know go badly, you know for uh, beyond your control, you know like right now, interest rates have gone up and up and up. And if you're a, a, an apartment investor and you don't have a rate cap in or, you know, some method, you know, m means to address that, like you're hurting. And that's not necessarily because you have bad management, it's, you know, bad luck, like in real estate, bad luck is a real thing, uh, bad timing. So that was pretty, that was very humbling, I, but I did learn downside risk. So in, in, you know, as you know, time went by and when I've talked to investors about downside risk, I mean, I can tell a personal story about it that set me back personally. So that's what I learned there. The, but the other part that I learned about that is, is if you have like the, um, um, you know, the financial wherewithal in an investment to hold on and hold on tight, then things will get like better. The real estate is cyclical. And, um, and, 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 you know, if you can figure out a way to keep a property and, and maintain it, uh, over time, like it will start to go back up and, and that more value will be created. Rents will go up and, and the value will, will return. It just might be long. Yeah. I love that. In some of these lessons, um, you know, it's sort of my belief that we can't actually learn some of these lessons without going through them. Right. We can learn mm -hmm. it from mentors. If we're working with a mentor and they can say, Hey, this might be happening, but nobody you know, knew what was going to happen in like 2008 what's going to happen. Right. Uh, I mean, a few people, there's that movie, the big short and maybe just a handful of people. Mm -hmm. Right. But, right. um, yeah. So the stuff like that, uh, we really can't see coming down the, the, the pike. And so we need to, um, learn from that. And it sounds like you, you, you I want to take my hat off to you because you didn't go, this is, horrible, like forget this. And I'm going to go like live under a bridge somewhere, you know, right. San Diego, preferably where the weather's nice, you don't have to worry about winter too much. Right. right. But like, you, you know, um, so you got back into it and, um, sounds like you did learn a lot from that. And then now you have a story that you can share with, you know, people that are getting new into investing or 
you know, people that want to invest through you sort of thing. And, um, you know, but, but also that one deal, because you didn't let it hold you back and you had a few before and you've had uh, quite a few afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that experience is going to carry through to you, uh, you know, through to this day in, in, on into the future. So I've got a quick question for you. How many deals would you say that you've been involved in all the way back to when you were a commercial broker and you were placing tenants? Like we can count that as like one deal, just Uh a super ballpark. I know it's kind of putting you on the spot. You know, I don't know. Um, I used to have an Excel spreadsheet that calculated this, but I mean, because with the leasing, there's a lot of lease transactions. Um, so I don't know. I mean, um, I, I really, I really, I have, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot, because I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to be very helpful in this, but um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I put you on the spot. Like I said, maybe maybe more than fifty. Yeah, maybe around there with the leasing. Yeah, probably. But I will say, you know, going back to the quantity thing, just for a minute. You know, with investment in particular, like I don't know that like making investments quantity, like there you might want to focus. Like you might want to evaluate a lot of deals to do one. I don't know that for me, like, especially where I'm at now, I don't know that I would do 50 and hope that one works out. Right. I mean, obviously, right. But at the same time, at the same time, I think that the the best way to learn and get experience and, and, and make some money is to actually do a deal. So you don't know that analysis paralysis is, is a real thing. Yeah, and it's real strong, right? And, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because earlier I was thinking and, you know, that, okay, and this kind of goes to trusting ourselves, right? Like, which is also a challenge for people. As I talk to a lot of people that are different, kind of like stuck at different, like, you know, levels or whatever. But um, in the, you know, finding uh, quality through, you know, quantity sort of like method or whatever, um, we're assuming that we are doing our best to create quality in the art, which you a thousand percent would, I a thousand percent would, you know, it will not work if we're going to go just super sloppily and, you know, throw, actually, if you were to throw mud at a canvas, you might actually get that to work out. But like, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Not right. trying and just right. being super sloppy. Um, you know, so uh, with that being said, I feel like um, a lot of people, when we are going into, whatever uh, next endeavor in our life, we will, it's almost like this fear in our heads, the back of our mind will go like, well, what if I fail at that? Well, that's, that's a very real thing, but, but the sort of, um, you know, what if I fail at that is almost followed by for me anyways. And it seems like a lot of people, what if I fail at that? Because I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to work hard at it. I'm not going to do a very good job. Well, that is not consistent with, you know, our personalities. And that's one of the weird self-limiting beliefs that does pop up for a lot of people that they don't really realize, like this weird belief that, you know, I'm not going to do a good job if I launch into my, my business, it's going to fail because I'm not doing a good job is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it's, it's not, that's probably not going to be why it fails. You know what I mean? Right. 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 Um, I mean, I think fear, you know, fear is, you know, for me, you know, gets in the, can get in the way in a nanosecond and it doesn't show up like, Oh, I'm feeling fearful. And I have an awareness that I'm fearful. Um, but it's, it's, it's showing up in other ways, you know, procrastination, you know, know, as just an easy example, or, 
this model has to be perfectly right for me to like decide if this is a decent property, you know, like whatever. It can just show up over and over again in all sorts of different ways. So fear is a, re a real enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that we can work through this fear, and like you're saying, sometimes it's just really uh, vague and almost like right. been there for a few days or whatever before we decide to go ahead and tackle that thought head on. It's like in our subconscious. But, um, one of the ways that we can work through a fear like, hey, this this deal that I'm analyzing has to be perfect is to phone a friend, which I right. did a few weeks ago and you walked me through, you helped me with um, underwriting a particular project. And mm -hmm. so I really appreciate you for that. And uh, but um, so so thanks again. And, and so course. with that being said, this is, you know, this leads me on to, you know, we're getting close to wrapping this up. And so. This question I love because it's a lot of fun, you know, which, what would you do if you were to take everything, you know, now your mindset and everything and go back to age 18, what would you do to fast track success, you know, in your life? The way I would have answered this question like five years ago, three years ago is I would have been, uh, is, is I would have, I would have, um, the way I would have answered this question in the past has been, I would have taking a more linear career path. And, you know, so I have like very broad experience, which is great. You know, you can say, Oh, I have broad experience, but it's really, it, it, it's, it's also very, um, you know, that's what I chose. It also makes things a little bit more difficult. So as an example, if I had, um, if I had, um, you know, just done one one thing like brokerage, if I'd done commercial brokerage and I got you know, just stayed with that for 10 or 15 years, I would, I would have, um, you know, probably a lot more capital, a lot more connections with capital to then be, you know, invest capital. Um, but instead I, I've done, you know, brokerage and investment and construction and development and asset management and, and prod, you know, worked in Arizona and, and California and, you know, other places in the country. And, um, so I think that, that, you know, for, for somebody, and I would, you know, if, if you, if, you know, my wife is an example that she's been very focused and linear in her career and it's worked out really well for her and that's works well for her like personality type, but that's not my personality type. You know, my personality type has, has been to be, you know, focused in the, in the realm of real estate and, and, uh, you know, uh, acquire these broad skills, but you know, it's, it's just a, it's a different path. It's a different path. And so sometimes I think, Oh, had I been more linear, my success would have been greater and quicker, but you know, where I am today, I say, well, that's just who I am. So I can't like, I'd, I'd have to be a different person. Right. So that's why it's an unsatisfying answer probably. So I don't know that I would have changed really much because it's kind of like who I am. And I'd, you know, I'd have to change who I am to change, you know, you know, the, the, the recommendation. So maybe the best way to put it is I admire people who have um, the, you know, kind of ability to just do their, you know, their career is more linear. I admire that. And my guess is they might, they might admire like me and the risks I've taken. So. Yeah. Well, and um, you know, I think uh, you know, also another way to put it is that you are who you are. So right. honor that, 
don't resist that. Don't try to struggle. You know, my dad said something to me when I was like a kid, he was like, I tried to be these different people and I realized I can't, I have to be me. And, uh, that would be great um, advice to, you know, both of ourselves at age 18 and like relax, let go and enjoy like the process. But, um, I think what you're saying is like, don't resist who you are in, in honor who you are, which is like, which is huge. And, you know, again, you know, we, def we define success, uh, for ourselves and, you know, even like monetary, uh, success if, 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 you know, you and I, I think both are, you know, interested in that in who's to say that's not right around the corner or about to explode for you this year, you know, you're still involved in, um, you know, uh, real estate and, uh, you're still, your, your sculptures, uh, you just never know. Right. And so it, it is important that we continue to bet on ourselves. And, and again, one of the things that you've done, right. That I really uh, respect you for is betting on yourself over and over and over. I'm going to give this a shot, you know, like a hundred percent and, you know, learn from it. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, so maybe one thing that I've, um, and I, I got this from a different a pod, a different podcast I was listening to is that in all my endeavors, you know, I probably have like two strengths, you know, two, two, maybe just one, one or two big strengths. And that's like, and then everything else is like secondary, tertiary, whatever. And so my encouragement to myself would be to, you know, spend time to understand what it is I'm really good at. And then, and as you were saying, they kind of go deep in that and wherever, like whatever my career, you know, is, is just be focused on developing those, you know, one or two, not three, one or two strengths. Cause that's where you'll have, I think the most success is if you're just doing whatever your strength is. I love that. And it's again, you know, honoring yourself, you know? Right. Right. Awesome. Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on, you know, mindset and, um, you know, how to go from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset or non-success to success mindset? Yeah. So that, I mean, that goes back to, I think, fear. Um, and so how you, one changes, I mean, one, I think the first is awareness, you know, am I in scarcity or am I in abundance? Am I being fearful? Am I not being fearful? Is the fear showing up in some weird way? You know, then for me, I get kind of, <laughs> I get kind of angry about it in that I'll just like, I'll just, I'll get, cause I don't want to be fearful. So if I get frustrated that I'm fearful, then, you know, I won't try to change the emotion cause I just, I, I've tried, I, I'm not going to be good at that, but I'll, I'll, I, what I will do is I'll say, what's the next step I have to take. And I'll try to not have any emotion associated with the next step. And then I'll do that. And then what's the next one? Do that. And next thing, do that. And then do that. Um, and that's how I'll, I'll move forward. So I'm no longer thinking, am I fearful or not fearful? I'm just doing. And, um, you know, there's exercise. Um, I do this cold tank and, you know, that'll change like my state, you know, really fast. Yeah, I bet. Um, Mine's actually on its way, uh, by the way, Peter. So, oh, you wow. Yeah, we've only been talking about it for about two years or something. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, and before I had the, a cold tank, I would get a, a bowl and put water and ice in it, and you know, just sit my head in there. I mean, that just changes your physiology. And so, fear and mindset is like, you know, your body is like whatever you know, whatever that state is, is completely connected to it. And like, I used to never believe this stuff. 
Um, but well, you know, and I love that you're going like getting into action. You know, there's that yeah. whole, uh, I, I forget, like, you know, when it, it's a phrase about, you know, guys that are in, in war and, you know, once they get into, you know, action, that's how they can get out of like the, you know, uh, paralyzing yeah. fear. Right? Yeah. Which yeah, I'm totally your body. Of, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's like, okay, really? Uh, and then we're also talking about self-awareness. We've been talking about it this whole time. Um, how that helps us to see, you know, some people, or I would say the fear for me is being, having my patterns and habits set for me out of my fears because I'm never willing to look at them. Like I can't, I can never afford this because I'm not, I'm a broke type of person, not a rich type of person. Right. As opposed to like this, this looks fun. This looks uh, great. How do I, how can I make it happen? You know? Right. And it's hard. I mean, I, I'm just learning, like, as you know, a lot of this mindset stuff and, um, and, and truthfully, I didn't believe, I thought it was all a joke. And then, but you know, if you, you know, kind of put whatever those assumptions are aside and like start listening to people, whether they're sports people, they're business people, hedge fund people, all sorts of, you know, it's like, you know, you'll, you'll find that, you know, all of these, you know, broadly speaking, these mindset practices, are practiced by, you know, all sorts of successful people in all sorts of industries. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think, uh, you know, sports or athletes are one of the best ones to go to because to be able to, you know, perform like that, it's it's almost superhuman, you know, on yeah. a consistent basis. Um, but, you know, there's, there's investors that are performing on, seems like a superhuman basis and, you know, artists and, you know, so, so it's great. Um, as we're getting close to wrapping this up, would you mind sharing with us like one book recommendation, one that's been really impactful on you? Yeah. So I, I think the, um, the gap in the gain, it's been a while. And I think, you know, I think that was really, that's really, <laughs> truthfully, you don't even have to read the whole thing. Just focus on the title and you're like, kind of get it right. But read it and you'll get deeper, but it's easy. It's easy for me to think about what I haven't done, what I haven't accomplished, you know, where my shortfalls are and not think about the incremental gain. Um, but, you know, if, if you get into that negative mindset of like where I haven't like, you know, achieved my goals, you know, it's just like, you know, you're going down in the sewer and where if you think about, you know, what incremental gains and I don't care how incremental they ha- they are, but if you, if, if I do that, it'll like, you know, build on itself and create momentum that's forward. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And because, you know, that old saying where where focus goes, energy flows, right? Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. More we are focusing on, you know, the wins, the more wins we're going to have. More we focus on losses, unfortunately, you know, losses will follow. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, as we are getting closer to wrapping this up, let me ask you this, Peter. Again, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Um, how can our audience support you? Are there any deals or any sort of, you know, artists that, uh, you'd love to be connected with? And yeah, I mean, if, if, I mean, I just say if, if something was interesting to you, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I mean, I'm always less so deals right now. Um, just kind of in a holding pattern on that. Um, but you know, if there's deals, if if you're an investor and you're, you know, want to chat about investing in real estate. I'm happy to you know chat with you. The best way to get a hold of me is um, by email, and that's Peter at North 
lightgrowth.com. Yeah, great. And you have a website, uh, you know, same yeah, name as well, right? It's a little broken, but yes. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again, Peter, for your time. Really appreciate, um, you know, you spending time with us and, you know, sharing more with us about, uh, about yourself. And, um, I learned a lot and, you know, so again, um, as always love hanging out with you, Peter. Awesome, and, man. uh, yeah, with that being said, we'll go ahead and sign out. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the general art of crushing it. Are you ready to take your podcast to the next level? Introducing Chris Clark Media, your go-to solution for professional podcast editing and production services. At Chris Clark Media, we understand the power of a well-produced podcast. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, our team of experienced editors is here to make your content shine. Why choose Chris Clark Media? We offer a range of services tailored to meet your unique needs. From seamless audio and video editing to captivating intro music and engaging sound effects, we've got you covered. Our skilled editors work diligently to enhance your podcast quality, ensuring crystal clear audio and a professional finish. No more worrying about background noise or inconsistent levels. We've got it handled. But that's not all. We also offer custom podcast branding services, creating eye-catching cover art and compelling promotional materials to help you stand out in the crowded podcasting space. Are you ready to elevate your podcasting game? Visit chrisclarkmedia.com today and explore our affordable packages. Let us handle the technicalities so you can focus on what you do best, creating amazing content. Chris Clark Media, your success, our expertise. Start your podcasting journey with us today. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.